I'm going to talk to you about uh, knowing your customers, um, meeting their expectations, and how you build a business on the back of that, and, how, and why that's important. Um, I worked in big corporates. I had my own business, um, Think Outside In, and then I joined Board by Many, which was a startup. There were 20 of us when I joined in 2006, and in May 2016, sorry. Um, and we've come a long way since then. And remember at that point, we were doing lots of different types of insurance and we hadn't sold a single pet insurance policy. Although we, we, we were starting to understand that this is a place that, that we wanted to, to, to go to. And, and you know, this, this little case study will give you a, a view of that. Um, I'm not sure if many of you know who Peter Thiel is. He's written a really excellent, second best book you'll have heard about today after obviously my one. Um, uh, a book called uh, Zero to One, and that is um, a book about basically how to be a brilliant startup. Um, Peter Thiel is in what they call the PayPal Mafia. He's one of the founders of PayPal, has gone on to found many other companies and has one of the biggest uh, venture capital uh, firms in Silicon Valley. And he says a lot of stuff in this book, but one thing that, that resonated to me and to us was this whole idea of, of, of he talks about the concept of secrets. And, um, and really asks this to all the people he wants to invest money in and all the people he interviews, which is what fundamental truth do few people agree with you on? So what, what do you believe that very other, few other people believe in? And that's really an important question if you're in a, in a startup, because it, it starts to say, what, what are you gonna do that others aren't gonna do? So when, when you're in a startup, you, you're looking for this, this thing that they call product market fit. Right, actually every business is looking for it. But if in a traditional business, you kind of know it's there. When you're in a startup, the thing you that you need to convince people of is that your your, your company is going to create product market fit. And product market fit is where the market wants, um, the customers want something and the market provides it and your business already provide, yours also provides it. So that little hatch bit in the middle of that diagram. The problem with that is that that, 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 that has, is a hugely competitive area. The space you really want to what you really want to find is the other hatched area which is actually that you know this is the special source this is where secrets are where there's a need of the customer the customers need something your business provides it but the market doesn't provide it yet okay that's where you get a monopoly that's where you get clear blue water and and, and this might be a feature a way of thinking or, or or a way of approaching products that's different to everybody else and that's the thing that investors are looking for. And that's the thing that all startups are looking for. That's what we're looking for. But that stuff, that's the stuff of secrets, right? Um, and it's really, it's really important that you can find these things when you're having a startup because that's what makes it grow. So when we thought about it at Board by Many is, is what, what important truth did we think about um, when we started this business? And um, it was really about data specifically and customers. You know, and, and, and ultimately, although we never wrote this as a vision statement, when we boiled down this sort of fundamental truth thing, it was that, you know, by using data, um, we could be laser focused on what the customer's needs um, before anything else. And if we did that, we'd be able to build products and services that they love. Uh, and therefore, as a result of that, build hugely strong relationships with them. So we would be the most customer driven business that there is, but we would do it by using data first right because the important part of that is around this mindset for us and our business which we think many businesses should have which is you know we believe in data not conventional wisdom 
conventional wisdom is the thing that says you should do x you should do y but there is no see there are no secrets in conventional wisdom there's only convention okay um what you need to be a brilliant thriving new business or progressive business is thinking what what is what is there that is true that no one else believes in that is not in convention all right and the way to find that is often in data and i will talk to you a little bit about data and how we use datas to understand customers expectation and meet them which means you can create a business that, that that thrive so that's one thing about the mindset the next thing is about millennials now um we all talked about interesting we all talked about millennials a lot maybe 10 years ago and the first bit of work i did was around was around in that in, in that space but actually they were kind of kids then um, but now they're growing and becoming important. Now, if you look at this this set, I think you know some of the, the dates move around. But broadly speaking, these are the twenty five to thirty four year old um, people in this generation. And I think I used to think this this generational thing was a, a bit of mumbo jumbo until I read a thing in the Harvard Business Review that talked about how people in these generations behave differently from people who aren't in them. So people who were in the war are frugal or bought off the wall are frugal and because that's the that's the environment they were brought up in and so basically the environment shapes the way these people behave um and that is very much the case for millennials you know they are they are they are born into an environment that shapes the way they are and some of the key things are on the slide but you know they're the fastest you know the largest generation in western europe in the moment in the uk there's about 14 million of them and they're key. They're 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 they're, they're more they're the most educated generation so far. Also tech savvy. But that tech savvy is not something they're born to. They're not digital natives because that's very much the Gen Zs, my kids. The, you know that were born into iPads and iPhones, and even they weren't really. You know, um, in the iPads were well, two the mid two thousands. So so you know two thousand five, two thousand seven for the iPhone, maybe two thousand ten for the iPad. So these guys. Are in Gen Z, but 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 millennials are very tech savvy. They expect things to be um, very really rooted in in technology. But they're socially conscious and they're very ethnically diverse because they're connected. They're a generation that's really well connected. So they accepts lots of different things. So the it's an incredibly important group that behaves in a very specific way and is soon to become the most powerful economically. Also, so how do they behave uh, commercially? Um, this is what you, we all need to think about. We think about it a lot. We thought about it a lot. You all need to think about it too. And, and I'll step through some of these because they're really important and they're important to the, the book by many story too. You know, millennials are very focused on saving. I mean, interestingly, I'm a, a Gen X and my kids are Gen Z. So the millennials are things. So I don't, I've not seen these creatures in the wild per se. However, you know, I've interviewed lots and lots and lots of um of millennials and and actually the commonality of the story is really key you know i've never met a group of people who are more focused on saving specifically are really normally for a house you know i took as read that i would own a house one day um just was going to happen this group of people don't so they're they're very focused on 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 owning houses you know not necessarily doing i think gen z's are, are much more in the sharing maybe we don't own these things millennials still think that that might be a good thing to do um, and they save a lot, right? Very general, because that's what these things do, you know. But they also focus on value. So um, as a group, they they understand, and that's not cheap. That's value. You know, what do I want to spend for what I want to get? Um, 
they read a lot, they're educated and they like blogs, they research, they're a research generation, okay? So, um, because the equipment's there for them to read stuff. So they read a lot of blogs and things like that before they buy. Um, they, they trust their network. They look to their network for recommendations of where they should go, what they should buy, what they should be wearing. Really important. Um, they are concerned about health and environment. So that's their own health, but also the health of those around them, which includes their pets, okay? Um, and what the pets impacts on the environment. Um, and, they, and, and this last one is incredibly important. And it's really important in a, in a, in a time where we have uh, stores, and I could talk another hour about shops and them going out of business. This last bit is important. If, if this group are right the key in terms of economic value, then they value experiences over products. So the experience of doing something, be that buying pet insurance, going to the vets, going to buy a pair of trainers, the experience is as important as the thing that they buy, okay? And that's where a lot of um, retailers, bricks and mortar, haven't quite hadn't quite worked that out, you know. Discuss. So this is them. This is millennials. This is what they're about. Um, and we thought about this a lot when we started our business, but we didn't start with necessarily getting just millennials. So let me talk to you a bit about what we did. So focus on customer needs is what we're talking about, and that's how we built this business, bought by many. And we did it by, by that, but also thinking about the key values that would drive behavior. So um, these are the things we think about. People say, how do you build the business? In terms of the customer experience and building what we wanted for the customer experience, we looked at three things. These are the three values that we built our business on <coughs> or continue to build our business on. Easy everything, you know, we wanna make everything we do as easy as possible. We can't do it all the time, but that is our stated objective. Secondly, we want to show that we care. So as an insurance business, we would create a business that wasn't transactional, that was about caring for customers. And I'll, and I'll give you a few examples as we go through. Um, and we wanted to stay connected. We didn't want to be an insurance business that tells, sells your product and then you never hear from us ever again about anything. You know, we spend an awful lot of time in groups, in Facebook, on, on Twitter, and on Instagram, and sending you emails and all of those things to customers because we want to stay connected. We want to show you that we want to go through this whole path of owning a pet with you. Okay, so that, those are those values. And on the right in the pink, millennial pink, um, you'll see the, the values that are around the people, what we wanted people to know. So again, show you care comes top for our colleagues. We're doing the right things, working in partnership, and thinking big and being tenacious and fast. This on a slide is bought by many for customers and for colleagues, and it completely drives what we, we try to do. But we also have this customer-led model. And um, the thing about being customer-led is you have to be out there. You have to be talking to customers and thinking about what customers um, want. So when we, before we started selling pet insurance policies, we searched literally a billion lines of, of, of search data to analyze what, it, what was going on in the pet insurance industry and how we could play in that. And therefore, what we needed to do to meet the demand that was unmet. And what we found was that people think in communities and in groups, and if we played in communities and groups, we could do well. Um, and then we took some of the things that we thought about and had learned, um, and, and, and we put it into Facebook groups. We decided that Facebook would be at home, our home, um, and that we would draw people into our, our, our uh, groups. And in those groups, we could ask them questions. And then. Then, then when we asked them the questions, we could take what we'd learned, what they told us in groups, 
and develop propositions and products that would suit their needs. And some of them were crazy, and I'll, as I'll go to in a minute, um, then we need to find someone, Munich Re, who would back some of our slightly more crazy ideas because we were saying they were driven by what customers want, not by conventional wisdom of the industry. So um, how, how, did that, how did that play out? Well, it played out in the co-creation of many products. So um, basically, we asked the customers, who literally 40,000 responses, before we sold a single policy, before we even created a policy, what is it that, you'd, you know, if we're designing pet insurance, what would you want? Or actually, more specifically, what do you hate about pet insurance? Um, and these are an example of things that came back. So people said they were fed up with paying and never get anything back. So, so we built a, a, a policy called money back, where if you don't claim, you get 20% of your premium back. You know, um, unpredictable renewal prices, you know, that go up. So we built the first and only um, fixed for life product you know, which doesn't go up in price ever, right? Um, insurance is a waste of time. So we put a slimmed down product, which was liability only product. We've actually also got now got an essential product, which is broadly speaking the same thing. Um, and people felt trapped. This is a really big point and we can maybe discuss it later um, around pre-existing conditions. So we created a product where we could ensure your pre-existing conditions, right? None of those products, those four products existed at all anywhere in the industry, right? And many of them still don't. Um, but we built them because that's what customers had asked for. You know, we did the research, we followed the data, and we produced products that met that. But we also use those to leverage into the existing products that we do. You know, so, so we're, we're using data to break conventional wisdom and follow customer needs. But it's not easy finding secrets, right? What you see going through here is every single interaction on our website by anybody. That's every single keystroke, every single movement of a mouse to touch something. All of that stuff we record. So that in that, that was done, you know, yesterday, showing everything that happens. Why do we do that? Because we're trying to, we're looking for stuff, right? We're constantly looking for stuff that tells us about the behavior of customers. So we want to know if. Millennials spend less time on one page than they do on another. If they spend more time on another page, why do they do that? Where do they click? What does that mean we can change in the journey? Where do they drop out of the journey? And this sort of thing, something, it's a system called Heap, um, tells us everything, everything about every movement, not transaction movement on a screen on our website, right? And we're doing that because we're constantly looking and trying to find secrets of the way people behave. Because we think about the whole journey, you know, and engagement is incredibly important too. So, move on one. When we th when we thought about the business, so not only do we continually collect data to try and look for secrets um, that that matter that help us break conventional wisdom and meet customer needs, but we're also thinking all the time about how do we make sure this thing is engaging for customers so that that they they that, that we understand where they start and where they finish. So. We, we, we thought about this journey, if you start about, and this is really, it's actually incredibly pertinent today and what's happened in the last six months because um, we've done really well due to this increase in, in, in people buying puppies, right? And the reason we've done well in this and the reason that we are literally dominated by first time buyers of pets and pet insurance is because of what's in front of you. We thought a lot about the whole entire journey for for a customer, not just the journey with us, right? 
So where can we play in, I'm thinking of getting a cat and dog? Where could Bought by Many arrive in that sort of thing? Or I'm considering and researching everything I need to get a cat and dog. So those two, those two blobs, most companies would not think about have anything to do with them, but we think it has everything to do with Bought by Many. So um, when you're researching to buy a cat and dog and you, you're searching, you will often come across a blog or a post, right? Um, which is about owning a cat or dog or what it's like to have a French bulldog or the issues with buying a French bulldog or a terror. These things aren't about us selling insurance. This is about us informing people about the ownership of these pets because we've thought about the entire journey of owning a pet and the research part of it, which if you go back is what millennials were thinking about. We knew that this, the research was gonna be hugely important. So we populated the internet with lots of blogs and stories about doing those sort of things. So when you can research it. You know, so then you enter the whole thing around, you know, um, I want to buy from this company. So we build a, a quote and buy process that's quick, simple, and you can understand, which uses the right sort of language. Um, so you can try and find the right product. You know, we think about these sort of things. You know, we use Heap, as you saw earlier, to understand how people navigate the website, what they touch, and therefore adjust things for the people who buy, understand the people that buy, try and improve it for the people that don't buy and move then and go forward. You know, the whole idea of, uh, of the claim being the essential part of the journey, we re-engineer to make it better for customers generally, but as it turns out, more incredibly important for millennials. Um, and the renewal process, we do in a completely different way to the way everyone else does it, because actually we want it to be engaging. We want to tell you the story of what's happened to, to you and to us over a year and why you should buy another year's worth of policy from us. So understanding customers needs is not just a top level thing it's actually high level but also in granular detail hugely granular detail as i showed in the slide uh, before so a good example of this is our claims process um when we um when we decided to do well we didn't decide to do claims we decided to do insurance right um but obviously what goes with insurance the most important thing is the claims process so so we decided to create something called snap claims now um we did this by, by doing all the things I've talked about, we're literally thinking, what's the claims process? And rather than thinking, we'll do what everyone else does, thinking what data do we have that would make us have a claims process of anyone better than anyone else? Um, and one of the things we knew that people did in thing was claims forms. We decided we didn't want to have claims forms. So we took a claim form, we completely deconstructed it. We created a rule that says, we're not going to ask for anything the customer for anything that we can get ourselves, either for ourselves or through, from the vets, right? No one did things like that. And people said, you can't do that. And we said, well, that's the way we're going to do it, right? Which was great for the customers. They could do something as quick as that that was simple and it was online. But actually at the start, it wasn't online, right? It was on the phone and we spent time catching up and doing it online. And when we went online originally, it only had 20% of take up because no one did it. No one wants to do it like that, right? But actually in reality, um, as of last week, 84% of our claim submissions are online, not in, not on, would never have been on forms, but no, not even over the phone now online. And there's a real key driver to that, um, which you can guess is the ad, the the um, what's the advent, but the increase in our population of millennials. This is the way that they want to access our services and make them work. But it's not just about digital, right? It's it's about all the things you do to engage people in the experience of being a bought by many customer so uh, very much in the early days um and uh, spoiler alert to come back we'd send when we didn't have quite as many customers here 
uh, on their birthday, our uh, our pet customers um, a thing there. It's called a woofin, you know, muffin, but for dogs, woofin. We love that, right? And the great thing about that is it was nothing to do with digital. It's all about analog, but it's in the real world and customers loved it and they shared it because millennial customers, they love to share, right? Um, and the same on the right-hand side with our, um, what we send our customers when they their pet passes away. Because guess what? That happens a lot. You all know that. We know that. But rather than just process the claim, we wanted to show them that we cared. And that involved a handwritten card to every customer whose pet passes away. Okay. So we don't just only exist in the digital world. We exist in the real world too. So that's a, just a, a quick tour of the of what we did, but what happened as a result? So um, the results have been amazing, right? This business in 2017, February, we sold our first policy, one policy, right? We hadn't had many new organizations into the pet insurance market in that time. Um, but as we look forward, we focused on customers and those of you who know what net promoter score means, you know, we have a net promoter score of 78 um, and everyone knows it's a plus 100 minus 100 world-class is anything over 50 right and so we constantly populate that area in the 70s both for our sales process but most importantly even more for our claims process because of the way we built it which means that from a renewal perspective we're getting more than 90 percent of people renewing with us over what year on year on year which is incredibly important for an insurance product but there's another element to this about where people hear about us so as a startup, you've got to get things moving. You spend a lot of money on search and Facebook. But as you can see, um, actually recommendation becomes one of the most important things. This is slightly old now because recommendation has, has passed Facebook. But now we get 20% of our customers from other people telling them, right? This is the beauty of having a customer experience that people want to talk about. They tell other people about it which is great for us because everything, every other element of there, maybe not including vets, <clears throat> it costs us money. But someone telling someone else doesn't cost us anything. And if you get 20% of your business from people telling other people with, with zero cost attached to it, that's something we call the flywheel and we can keep that flywheel turning. It's incredibly important to us. And we start getting recognition. And so uh, Ben talked about the MoneyWise Awards and we're going about that, but that was voted for by customers and we managed to win that. In 2019, they didn't run it in 2020. Hopefully, we'd have won it then too. Um, FIFO have a standard gold and platinum service award. We are in the platinum group, of which there are literally a handful of co companies across all sectors. Okay, so we're doing something right. You know, when we look at what which recommended last year, not this year. Um, you know, behind NFMU Mutual ahead of most of our competitors and look at 79 compared to the market leader which is pet plan at 70 really important stuff fairer finance first place top five percent and the institute of custom service that represents all businesses across all sectors has us in the top five percent of all companies in the uk so that's one some of the results of what we talked about ben talked about having a fast growing business we feature third in a row, number 30, in the tech track, fastest growing tech businesses in the country. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is doing this stuff right, meeting customer expectations, whether you're an insurance company or a vet or a breeder or whatever, helps you drive a growth of a business. But, you know, what's mostly important to us and bringing us back 
to, to where I started a bit on, on millennials. There's a few things before I finish. The first is around what people say about us. I've always loved this quote, always use it. You know, if Paul Bumanier was sod lager, it'd be probably the best lager in the world. You know, but sell insurance. Um, and, you know, the language is important. They revolutionized insurance and made it so much easier to take out and claim on a policy. The, a customer wrote this, but I kind of told you that's what we wanted them to do and want to feel and to say, and that, that's coming back to us, which is great. And what's really important um, about um, Pete, who wrote this, is his age, right? Pete is a millennial, right? It just turns out the things we do seem to suit millennials. So go back to where I started. You know, we, we, we they focus on saving, they want value. Uh, we believe our, our products provide good value. We provide blogs for them to read. We have this networking effect of recommendations that drives a high FIFO score. We care about the uh, health and the, the well-being of the pets, and we completely and utterly focus on the experience of, the, of buying a policy as well as the policy itself, right? And if you don't believe me anymore, this is um, our sales by, by quarter since 2017. Uh, remember, in 2017, we sold our first policy. Recently, we sold our 300,000th, right, in this period. Um, millennials are the fastest-growing sector of our business. This is great for us because millennials are also economically going to be the most powerful section of the UK economy. And what's really interesting, so everything you know about what happened in lockdown is experienced here. Millennials specifically bought more pets. And so, by the way, watch out for them, did the Gen Zs. If you are building your business properly, focusing on it properly, understanding the needs of this group, of all the customers, but the needs of this group specifically, you can really grow your business into the future. And so, just before I finish, so what does this mean? You know, I drew this four years ago when I was thinking about um, our business and where it lived in this whole pet ecosystem that we didn't really understand. Um, but we understand how we make our part of this pet ecosystem work better for all customers, but specifically for millennials. But does everybody else, right? What really are the implications for your businesses of what I've talked about? The rise of this group and how that means the whole ecosystem will change. And remember, um, COVID has, has, has moved this on two years in six months. I call it Corona speed. The business is moving at Corona speed. What does it mean for your business and how will you focus on um, their policies? And thank you very much. Mm -hmm.